This is the Neck Break Kid, the Soul Taker, TSC, your dad, Dio Bando of Primetime Heat, and your first ever Sal Balomo Memorial Battle Royal winner. And you are now listening to the Battlefield Pro Wrestling Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Yeah! Hey, BPW Nation, Big Joe here, the voice of the battlefield, here to tell you about another one of our great sponsors, Studio R Photography. Studio R Photography is an on-location studio based out of the Pocono Mountains and features the work of photographer Regina. Servicing northeastern Pennsylvania, Studio R Photography specializes in all types of sessions, from family mini sessions to events and branding to weddings and formal events. Let Studio R Photography help you tell your story. Get in touch with them today. 570-982-9727 or check them out on Instagram at studiorphotography.621. That's at studiorphotography.621. BPW Nation, Big Joe back again. Another episode of the Battlefield Pro Wrestling Podcast, bringing you all of your news, interviews, previews, and reviews, keeping you up to date on all of the action here in Battlefield Pro Wrestling. Now, today's show, we have a full-blown review of all 11 of our hard-hitting matches from this past Sunday's Future Part 3, Born Ready. So, Futures is on a roll. This was the third consecutive month that we had a future show with all of the students and all the up-and-coming future stars here in Battlefield Pro Wrestling. And this show was a very special show. It took place actually at the Pleasant Valley Middle School. Now, going to tell everybody here who doesn't know, but this is actually a very special place for us because back in the day in 2015, we actually got our start in Pleasant Valley at the Pleasant Valley High School. So it was great to go back home, so to speak, and perform a show for the uh, the hometown crowd. But, um, yeah, we have all that action coming up here today and uh, some other news coming up here. I will be joined once again by my co-host Reggie Banner and Sage Santiago. Reggie, how you doing this week? Joe, I'm doing really good, man. I'm enjoying this weather. I'm just happy to be back here with you guys. Absolutely. Sage, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. Enjoying the summer vacation. Nothing yeah. out of school. That's semester. right. Yep, Sage Ooh. here is one of our uh one of our hybrids. She is a aspiring wrestler. So she she does work out with everybody in uh, the wrestling camp and she's also uh an in-ring personality doing uh announcer work and she is actually on the podcast now with us. So Sage like many of us here wears many, many hats, and that just goes to speak on the opportunities that are available here in BPW because, you know, you might not be a professional wrestler. You might not want to be an on-screen personality per se. Uh, Maybe you do. Maybe you just want to try your hand at being a manager or a referee or a commentator. We have a place for everybody. We'll train you. You know, just reach out, and uh, we can get that underway for you. But without further ado... I don't want to keep everybody waiting. We have a 
big review show here coming up, and this is just a little bit under two weeks out for our next pay-per-view, Cream of the Crop, coming up at the end of the month. That will actually be next week's podcast where we go into a full-blown preview mode and we are thinking about having a very special guest on uh that podcast for the interview so we will see how that goes but without further ado let's get this futures three born ready review underway so the the first match that we had here uh kind of a a storied rivalry that is developing here in Battlefield Pro Wrestling. We had the the Brothers Gray, who made their debut at Futures 2, taking on the team of Bryce Reedus and Uranagi. Now, Bryce Reedus and Uranagi have been working together for quite some time now, and they have developed quite a tag team. They uh, have shown that they can work very well together. It's a good mix of speed and uh, aerial tactics from Uranagi. Bryce uh, we see he, you know, he does the swanton from the top ropes. They do, you know, all sorts of things that, uh, you know, it's I, I definitely call it high risk. I mean, that's where the term comes from because some of the moves that they perform, if they miss those, they're going to end up doing some some more damage to themselves. Even the moves that they, even the moves that they do land, they're probably taking some damage because it's it's a high risk, high reward type of move. And then on the other side of the ring, we got the brothers, Gray, Damien and Salem, and, they, and they're coming in here. Um, you know, just two shows in here at BPW. Um, we've only seen two matches of theirs, the one at the, the futures too. And then we saw them here today. So they have a good mix of size and speed as well. Uh, Damien, the, the larger of the two, this guy has to go probably about 265, 270, I would say. And, uh, you know, it, you could tell, like, he he wrestles the more powerhouse style. Uh, so beginning of this match, you could kind of tell that uh, both teams were itching to get at each other. The, the Brothers Gray, though, I, I will say this. Everything that they do in that ring has intent to inflict damage behind it. Like, there is no question about it. They're not looking to finesse you. They, they just want to cause as much harm as possible in the shortest amount of time. So the beginning of the match, we, we saw uh, Bryce. He ended up taking a uh, like a, a modified Death Valley driver uh, into a front slam. And that put Bryce Reedus out of this matchup for, for quite some time. I mean, he, he was to the outside trying to recover. It looked like he had a shoulder injury, possibly in the, the head and neck area. And... It was to the point where Alpha had to actually had to go to ringside and check on him because we didn't know if we had to call the doctors in or what. But, you know, Bryce waved them off as he's going to. These guys are going to want to die on their their shield. So there, there's no quit in, in Bryce Reedus. But um, he was finally able to recover. And, uh, you know, this match primarily it was your it was your inaugi was primarily in a handicap match. You know, the way that we're. We were seeing it because we didn't know what the extent of Bryce's injury was. And Yuri was in there fighting for his life against uh, both of these guys. And, and he did a valiant job. I mean, but still, uh, the turning point, Bryce finally was able to recover. And uh, he actually broke up a three count that it looked like Yuri was was pretty much all but done for. But he dives in the ring, saves the the three count. And then this was the, like one of the, the, the coolest maneuvers i've seen on the show so it was the turnbuckle bulldog by uh Uranagi, and immediately after uh bryce reedus was able to hit the swanton bomb and 
Urinagi and Bryce Reed has picked up the pinfall victory here, getting the three count over the Brothers Gray. So that's two victories for Bryce and Urinagi over the Brothers Gray. And I just have a feeling that the brothers are going to be incensed after this one. And something tells me that they uh, they are going to pursue BPW management to try and get this that the third batch going for this one here. So um let me ask you this, Reggie. Do you have any brothers? Yes, I do. I got a little brother. Right. So it, when it, the the continuity that the Brothers Gray show in the ring, I mean, there's just certain things you pick up from your family members, especially like your siblings, that you might not be able to have with other people in your life. So it's kind of almost like a sixth sense type deal. And uh, I definitely sense that with the Brothers Gray. However, you know, I'm starting to see some of that continuity with Bryce Reedus and Urinagi. The more that they work together, the more that they um, have each other's backs, the more that they kind of know where the next person is going to be and what the person is thinking. And, uh, you know, it it shows. They were able to get the second win over the Brothers Gray here. And there's there has to be another match because I, the brothers aren't going to be happy with, you know, just going 0-2 against Bryce and Urinagi, especially since they're just debuting here in the battlefield. Um, do you guys have any takeaways from uh, from this match? Reggie, what did you see? You know, one thing that you mentioned, you said, you know, the brothers Grace, they're obviously brothers, but Urinagi and Bryce are not brothers. But the way that they're working together, they're kind of like a young version of Edge and Christian. You know, it's like they're also they're becoming like brothers, so their chemistry is getting really well. And you know, when that happens, things just click and you win. As you know, as we continue to see with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, a good a good opening match here for us. Uh, you know, lots of action. Bryson and and Yuri definitely uh, ecstatic, adding another victory to the uh, the win column there. Sage, it's going to be on to you now for uh, match number two. It was actually a triple threat match. We had JJ Smith, the intellectual interrupter, versus Kai Sky versus RJ Carnage. And uh, let me tell you something. This match. You know, potential night, potential match of the night candidate. As far as I, I was sitting, you know, just talk about nonstop action from front to back. Sage, why don't you give us the breakdown how this one went? Now, if you remember from the last podcast, what this was originally supposed to be a one-on-one match between RJ Carnage and JJ Smith. So yes. for this whole last week, I know RJ and both JJ have been preparing to go against one another. I mean, JJ is the intellectual; he's been studying RJ constantly. Um, RJ has been watching JJ definitely at practice, trying to see what he can, what JJ can bring to the table, what he needs to look out for. So adding Kai Sky to the match, I feel definitely threw them off their plates. But you need to remember that the very first future show, JJ won against Kai Sky. So in a way, JJ had the upper hand during this match. He has been studying RJ. He has prior experience with Kai. Both Kai and RJ. I've never faced one another in a match. I mean, RJ has faced neither one of them in a match. So at the whole time I'm watching this match, I'm definitely going, okay, there's no way. No way JJ's going to lose. I mean, he's the intellectual. He's got to be five steps, five steps ahead of both of them. But but let me tell you, this match really showed RJ's athletic ability. I mean, that man did a 450 splash outside of the ring on both of Kai Sky and JJ Smith. Not only that, he, I mean, he was flipping everywhere during the match, in my opinion. I, I couldn't keep my eyes off of him. And that's coming from somebody that wasn't exactly rooting for him to win this match. 
Um, Kai Sky did an incredible double kick to both of them, to both RJ and JJ. And there was that incredible suplex and powerbomb spot. Uh, JJ did the powerbomb, so he got less of the damage. However, at the end of the match, it was RJ who picked up that victory with the 450 splash onto JJ. So I got to ask both of you. Now, I know last week, since we talked about it as a one-on-one match, I know Big Joe was rooting for RJ. Did your opinion of the outcome of this match change once you heard it was becoming a triple threat? As far as um, who I thought was going to pick up the win, no. I, I think, uh, you know, my 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 heart would have still bet with RJ Carnage. Um, the, the, the kid is just showing his props where he – his his where he might be a, a few steps ahead of some of his opponents, you know, as far as the athleticism goes. You mentioned the dive to the outside of the ring and the 450 splash. The amount of athleticism it takes and uh balance, agility, core strength, everything that it takes to land a 450 splash alone just shows you what type of athlete he is. So no, it it didn't there. And uh, you know, I could I'll turn I'll pass it on to Reggie here to get his his thoughts. Yeah, uh for me. RJ actually, he, he really impressed me. And like I said last week, I thought JJ was going to pull the match out. I thought he had a plan, but RJ, you can't deny his athleticability. Like the way he hit that 450 splash, he made it look effortless. And, you know, he pinned JJ. So, yeah, my hat off to him. Yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to seeing more of those guys. So RJ Carnage picks up the victory via pinfall over JJ Smith. Again, I always like to make mention of that during triple threat matches of the person that actually got pinned. Now on to you, Mr. Banner. We have a uh, we talk about, uh, you know, brothers and tag teams and everything else. How about this one? We have uh, people that are brothers themselves part of a tag team rob tragedy versus wild boy steve-o steve-o actually making his return to singles action here since being out for a little while with uh an injury so reggie take it away on this one absolutely so it was very nice seeing steve-o make his in-ring turn you know it's been forever since we've seen him and i really thought he was actually going to pull this match out and i was like starting to think to myself watching the match i was like i wonder if he's going to have like any ring rest or anything like that but rob tragedy he absolutely blew me away with his performance. He was aggressive. He was clever, and he wrestled very smart, like, the whole time. So, like, he was, you know, pounding on Steve-O. He stayed on him, you know, when he was on the offense with him, just chopping him, dropping elbows, slapping slapping him like he was Rick James. Like, I've never seen Steve-O actually get dominated by someone like that. So, I was very surprised. But Steve-O has a very unorthodox offense, so he didn't go out like a punk. He slapped Rob back. He got a few chops in, you know, beautiful drop kick on him. But I I started when I saw Rob, I started to kind of think like he reminds me of Steve-O I, or, you know, when he was not Steve-O. I'm sorry. He reminds me of Samoa Joe when he went to do the cross body. And when Rob walked out the way, like, you know, he pointed to his head like, hey, I'm smarter than you. I'm smarter than you. And I was like, wow, like he's cocky, he's aggressive. And he also kind of reminded me of something like Eddie Kingston, just just the way, you know, he just wanted to fight. Like there was nothing, nothing clean about it, just super aggressive, super dirty. And I liked it, you know, but um, Rob won by distracting a referee and, you know, pushing him to cause Steve-O to lose his balance. And he hit him with what, like I would say somewhat of like just a beautiful diamond cutter for the top turnbuckle. And, you know, Rob put him away. 
So the 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 biggest takeaway I had from this match here, and uh, <laughs> maybe surprising, maybe not, uh, with uh, a guy that walks around with the last name Tragedy, but he attacked his his former partner after the bell too. Like, just what a dirtbag move by his part. But uh, it just seems like uh, Steve-O is always in these unfortunate situations, and and he ended up taking some damage even after the bell. So. Uh, I digress. Rob Tragedy picks up the pinfall over Wild Boy Steve-O. Match number four, the OG Code Red versus Adam Lockwood. So <laughs> Adam Lockwood made his debut against uh, Dark STG at our last pay-per-view. And uh, unbeknownst to him, um, the match didn't last, but I don't know, a minute and a half. He absolutely got destroyed not not taking anything away from him. i mean it's dark stg for goodness sakes the guy's a an absolute monster and not even you know of this of this realm so uh again no surprises there but lockwood returns to the battlefield to take on the og code red who as far as i know is at least human to some extent uh but lockwood you know he does that whole hypnotist thing and he brings his stopwatch out and you know tries to put his opponents under the trance uh code I don't know if you can hypnotize Code Red. Code uh, Code comes out. Code hit that huge vertical suplex during this match, and I mean huge. Um, definitely rearranged some of Lockwood's vertebrae there. Uh, Code went up to the top, you know, gets countered by Lockwood. The funny, a funny thing here, at one point, Code was on the outside of the ring, and he actually got a hold of the stopwatch, which Lockwood, if he did his homework on Code Red, he should know not to leave any jewelry, wallets, cell phones, anything of value laying around that uh, Code can get his hands on, because he's certainly going to snatch it. And uh, he went up there, and he started to, to try and hypnotize Lockwood. Um, So... <laughs> Lockwood actually locked on a move similar to Crush back in the day, the cranium cruncher, and he called it the some sort of like sending shockwaves through the brain of Code Red. But it was uh, Lockwood ended up getting tied up with the ref, who was Logan in this one, and then Code hit him with the decimator, that Uranagi slam, and uh, Code picks up the victory by pinfall. So interesting match there. Sage, I know you were marking out for this one probably because it's Code Red. What do, What are your takeaways? I think anyone would have been stupid if they thought Code was not going to win this match. I, I literally, I don't know how you thought Adam Lockwood even stood a chance against Code Red. I mean, come on, Big Joe, who who did you think was going to win this match? Just just be 100% honest. I need you to be 100% honest real quick. Yeah, it's hard to pick against Primetime Heat or you know, code red individually at this point. Um, I, I've said it before. He's got size. He's got, uh, uh, he's got power. So um, yeah, it, it, I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't have put my money on code red for this one, but you know, they pick up the victory there. <laughs> There's a That's small, I thought big though. A small you were such a bandwagon siege. Not a bandwagon. I just support who I think is the best. And I can't help that that prime time. He is the best. I, I agree. Code Red, he, he was the best in that match. I agree. I'm Small talking about victory. Best, best in the roster. What a groupie. Like, seriously. Just uh, yeah, Sage support Hulk, the boys. Yeah, official primetime heat groupie, ladies and gentlemen. Sage oh, my, my goodness. And the next match here, match number five. It's hard to believe we're already halfway through this card. The monstrous Ox Adams taking on one of my favorites, 
And it's I know I'm not supposed to be biased, but it's hard not to be because Danger Jameson is the man. This dude is so entertaining. And, uh, you know, everything that he does is is usually entertaining. But uh, Dange completely uh, and just outmatched in the, in this one totally who which most of our guys would be outmatched going up against Ox seven feet 300 plus and uh I was I was kind of I I want to say that I was excited to see this different Ox Adams that showed up here because we can see that uh he worked down in Florida when he went down to work the WXW show on the talent exchange and seemingly overnight, he came back with this different attitude because he's done with the, the hippy dippy stuff and the, the third eye. And uh, he is looking to just destroy people now, which is going to be his mo- finding that mean streak and channeling that mean streak is what Ox Adams needed. And that's going to catapult him right to the top of the, the not only the power rankings, but he's going to be in contention for our championship belt once that tournament is released. And I mean, he's going to be a tough out for anybody. So in this match, you could see Ox um, obviously towering over Danger Jameson and Ox disrespectfully dropped down to one knee for the test of strength, because obviously he's reaching his hand up to the sky and uh, Danger Jameson, he's not going to be able to to reach that flat footed. So he drops down Um, Ox largely in control for this one. We saw the big chops to the chest. He he actually Danger goes for this move. Liken to old school that the Undertaker uh, used to do, where he gets the arm ringer, walks the top rope, jumps off, and uh, lands the blow to the uh, the shoulder area and the back of the neck. Well, he was able to get in position for this on Ox Adams. Uh, unfortunately for him, it was a uh, it was a it was a big drop because Ox just caught him, threw him completely off the top rope. Uh, big, big, big slam there, and then uh, Ox. It was able to hit his swinging power slam and pick up the pinfall one, two, three. And uh, luckily, you know, it looks like Dange got out of this one with minimal damage taken, you know. But, and I say that I say that very lightly, given the uh, I'm sure getting ch- double chopped to the chest by a giant and getting thrown off the top ropes isn't uh, doesn't feel remotely good. So, uh, Reggie, we have uh, I know you were close with uh, Ox Adams at one point, mm-hmm. so. Uh, what happened here? Did he tell you to go pound sand or what? You know, he actually does not talk to me anymore because of this new monstrous aggressive attitude. And I said to him, I was like, yo, man, like, I like it, but chill it out a little bit. You don't need to kill people. And that was like, that was it for him. You know, he was like, I'm done with you. So to see him actually go out there and the way he was chopping danger and just the way he threw him with such aggressiveness and just no care in the world. I, it, it was scary. It was very scary. Yeah, it's going to be something that, uh, you know, coming down here, we're going to see what's in store for his opponents moving forward and uh, exactly where he can go. But if he stays focused and uh, concentrates on just continually improving, he's going to be able to hang with some of the biggest and best heavyweights in this business, not just here in BPW, but when we bring in guys from other promotions, you know, the, the dark STGs of the world, uh, Danny Damato's of the world, guys like that. I mean, Ox can definitely grow into uh, a powerhouse that is going to be impactful no matter where he wrestles. So props to Ox Adams, new attitude, and starts a new winning streak there, picking up the victory over Danger Jameson. Um, next match, we go back to you, Reggie. We have El Genesis Yafet versus Sam 
Adams, take it away, Reggie Banner. Well, I tell you what, man, these two delivered. They put on a hell of a performance. They reminded me of like mashed potatoes and gravy. They just they just went together. And I how do I how do you even like even like begin to do this, man? Like they were just neck and neck from the start of the match, right? But one thing I noticed is Genesis like he likes to likes to cheat a little bit. You saw him uh, pulling the hair of him of um of Sam Adams. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like you don't got to do that. But like I digress though. Um, Sam Adams hit this beautiful head scissor takedown on Genesis and followed up with a beautiful springboard to the outside of the ring on him. I'm like, this match has only been going on for two minutes, and these two are flying all over the place. Like, I guess that's you know that's a Puerto Rican style thing. They're just killing each other. Um, at some point, they get back in the ring, and I'm just watching Genesis capitalize by kicking the ring ropes when Sam Adams got in. You know, just catch him in the end bags, and I was like, ooh, that's gotta hurt. He follows that up with a beautiful atomic drop. And he follows it out with like a, a nasty boost to the face. And one thing about Genesis is like he's kind of crazy. He's very hard hitting. And like when he had Sam in the corner, Joe, you you remember this? Remember when Unchake was an American badass? He was just like boxing you, just beating you up. Yes. That's what he looked like. That's what he reminded me of. What he was doing to Sam, just just kind of teeing off on him. And I was like, okay. But Sam was able to counter only for Genesis to hit hit him with a. A T-bone suplex right into the bottom turnbuckle. And I was like, damn, someone his size, he moves like a cruiserweight, though. Like, he, Genesis, he's, he's pretty great. But the turning point in the match for me, though, was when Sam hit a suplex, followed by some dangerous-looking kicks to the face on Genesis. And I was, like, blown away that he was able to kick away, like, kick out of that. But then Genesis hits this, I don't know, this inverted-looking backbreaker on Sam. And Sam kicks out of that. So they're going like back and forth, back and forth. Then poor Logan gets stuck in the middle of it. And I'm like, all right, Logan, get out of there, get out of there. And then if you listen to commentary, you literally hear Sage and Chip talking about, Logan, move, Logan, move. So this distraction though was great though because uh, Sam channels inner Carlito. He hits a super kick and a backstabber, puts away Genesis one, two, three. The pink flamingo, Logan. Getting caught up with the referee again. So I don't know what, like, if it was just bad luck, Logan, this this particular afternoon, but uh, it must have been. Yeah, that's the second time we've seen him getting tied up with uh, some of the, the wrestlers here. Now, I want to pitch the Sage really quick here because you mentioned the pride of Puerto Rico here with Sam Adams and uh, El Genesis Jafet. And I wanted to say one thing that I did notice about Genesis Genesis comes out. And he is so laser focused. And one thing else about him is he takes this seriously. He is so prideful. Sage, do you think that's a thing like just part of the Puerto Rican culture in pro wrestling uh, that that's kind of turned up a notch? And, you know, is that kind of to be expected from the wrestlers that are coming from Puerto Rico? Oh, most definitely. Um, Us Puerto Ricans are very prideful, definitely, of who we are, Um, especially Especially if you're in Puerto Rico yourself. If you're in Puerto Rico, we're going to go hardcore hammer. We're going to be like, yeah, let's go. Because that that's our island. That's that's where we're from. That's that's our people. You know, so it's one of those things that um, I I really hope to see um, if Al Genesis ever. I would love to see Al Genesis or even Sam Adams come out with a Puerto Rican flag. Because let me tell you, you come out with that flag and your whole demeanor changes. I mean, even if you're not Puerto Rican in the audience, you can just see in the faces you see in the eyes of us, like how proud we are of our island, of our 
unfortunately commonwealth of the united states i like to just call it a country we're basically just just our own little state but um it's definitely one of those things where you know your pride it's your pride and even if you are a complete asshole you you still are going to walk out there and be extremely proud of who you are and where you're from and my favorite thing, let me add in here, my favorite thing about El Genesis matches is that I can yell, it's that Capron without getting yelled at. <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? Capron is kind of like a bastard. It's really mean. It's not nice to call someone. But basically, you're just calling them the most, you know, the most um, equivalent term, I would say, is bastard. Damn. So that Sage. bastard, that bastard. Sage bringing the fire from ringside. I like it. Um yeah, I mean, I that's one thing I definitely picked up on here. And, you know, uh, not, not taking anything away uh, from Sam here. We've been focusing on Genesis the past few minutes. But, you know, Sam, student of the great Samu. And, uh, you know, just the, the guy is seasoned already in, in this industry. And this was his battlefield debut. So awesome to see him here doing that with us. And we mentioned Puerto Rico. It, uh, it We are doing the talent exchange with them as well. The, the promotion in Puerto Rico. I know uh, that will be coming up as well. So that's a relationship we want to continue to to nurture along here as uh, BPW is. We say we're, we have a worldwide base, and we're not kidding. I mean, it's not just here on the mainland. We go out to Puerto Rico. We're going to Belgium. We go down to uh, Canada coming up, you know, all sorts of, of these talent exchanges. And then the ones that are within the States, we did WXW in Florida and, uh, we have one in Hawaii coming up. So all kinds of opportunities here, um, moving through the match card here, the match number seven, uh, a match that I was pretty interested in seeing here, Reggie, and we're going to, we're going to stick with you for the breakdown of this one, uh, Harlan Calix and, uh, Someone that you apparently, like I said uh, last week, have taken an interest in all of a sudden, Arson Kruger. So, Reggie, take it away, sir. Man, let me let me tell you. The beginning, Harlan and Arson seem evenly matched. They were just going back and forth from headlocks to wrist locks to reversing each other to body slams. They reversed each other's cradle to the point where they're literally rolling around on the ground like hedgehogs. Like I'm like, okay, here goes Sonic versus Knuckles. This is awesome. Harlan gets super frustrated at some point, and... Here comes this slimy, smelly, disgusting Mike Payton. He tries to distract Arson, but still manages to pull the top rope, causing Harlan to fall out the ring. I'm like, okay, what what is wrong? Like, ugh, it's just Mike Payton. I'm sorry, but I digress. Um, Reggie, can I yeah. can I just I I you know I don't like to interrupt you when you're you're on a roll, but let me I just thought of something. So you know that character from the Peanuts cartoons, Pigpen. <laughs> Or scumbag, <laughs> or whatever his name was, right? That's yes. that's that's Mike Payton. He just that comes is... out and he's followed by this cloud of shit, and like yes. everybody just hates his guts because he's just a dirty, low he's just down, disgusting. yeah, just a disgusting <laughs> human being. That that is Mike Pigpen Payton. Welcome to BPW, oh scumbag, like absolutely deplorable. Anyway. Reggie, please continue your breakdown. Harlan puts the assault onto Arson by stomping, bashing his head off of barricades, ring posts, like using everything in the ring apron. Like this man, like I said last week, he doesn't care if he wins or loses. But Mike wants Harlan to be Arson by any means necessary. But like I said, Harlan doesn't care. Um, Harlan tries to suplex Arson, but he counters. He goes for a fog splash, but Harlan's out the way. 
He does a double down, and they're both down on the ground. And I start doing exchanging shots back and forth. And this is my favorite part. Arson gets Harlow on the ropes to hit a 619. But Mike steps in the way. Arson drop kicks Mike onto the rope. And I'm just like, okay, like you got you hit him with a 619. Perfect. Mike is done. Mike's out of there. Harlan gives one more attempt at a cheap shot, but Arson still he's still fighting. He hits Harlan with a standing slice red and then a moonsault to win the match. It was like the athleticism of Arson is just out of this world. Yeah, and you know what? The thing is, I, I sound like a broken record on this guy, but uh, every time I see his his physique, I'm just absolutely just blown away. Like the guy, when people say this guy's 0% body fat, I, I truly believe it in his case because like just the, the muscle tone, the striations you see in, in his shoulders, his his chest. I mean, the guy obviously in, in fantastic shape, and that's definitely going to help him out in the wrestling ring. Uh, it was nice to see him pick up a win over Harlan Calix and Pigpen because um, Mike Payton sucks. I, I, I can't say it enough. Like he, we already dubbed him the most hated person in the battlefield pro wrestling locker room. And, uh, you know, and he's going to get a big head about this too, because not only is he getting our airtime, but you know, I think that's what he wants. He wants people to dislike him. So congratulations, man. You're, you're, uh, you're the most hated person in the battlefield pro wrestling locker room match number eight. We're going to Sage Santiago. We had Tim theory versus Joey Martinez from championship material. Uh, Sage, go ahead, break it down since you're such a championship material, Mark. Did you just say championship material or championship material? I can't what tell. What did I? What did I say? I, I thought that's I said. What I'm asking. I I feel like I thought you said championship material. I was like, damn, damn, he's Champ- already coming for them already. Championship material. That's what they're. I thought that's that their was, name, Sage. Uh, that, that's their name. I thought that was the name of their stable. Offa, remember at the first future show when Office said, "Hey, championship material." Was it? Did they change it to champion? Uh, did they change it no, to championship? championship. Oh, it's still championship. It's champion. It's championship. But it's chill. It's still big guy. I, I know. I know how it is with you. I, I get it. I get it. So now, my favorite part about this match is that both of these guys, both Joey and Tim Theory, brought their brides down to ringside with them. Uh, Tim Theory obviously brought Bride of Theory down, and then Joey Martinez brought uh, Vinny Mac down to ringside with them. So I, I love when they show, so you know, their girls off. Anyway, I still love you, Vinnie Mac. I'd love it when they show their girls off. I think, what? I think that's really great. <laughs> it's their girls, man. You know. Vinnie Mac. Gotta give him his props. Nah, you do. You really do. Now, um, this match, I feel like, was very extra special because I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Tim Theory and Joey Martinez both were some of the very first people to ever join Um battlefield pro professional wrestling so i think that you know regardless if you like them or if you don't like them you cannot deny that this match was um was not special and if you missed it (coughs) i'm never never mind i'm not gonna say that i'm not gonna say that part but if you missed it like some people in person then you missed something really special anyways um in the beginning of the match you noticed that joey was not getting in the ring right away it really took him some time to get in there and I don't know if it's because Vinnie Mac was at ringside I feel like maybe Vinnie Mac makes him a little nervous which eh, maybe I think Vinnie Mac would make me nervous if he was at ringside however off of the however Joey did get the first hit of the match um off of a distraction that Vinnie Mac caused to Tim Theory now if you notice um I think something very important 
to notice in this match was that Vinny Mac was constantly getting involved. It was not like at our last pay-per-view show where Joey Martinez took on Sean Maluda basically by himself. No, he had Vinny Mac constantly distracting him, constantly grabbing onto him, you know, um, and Bride of Theory is not going to do that stuff because she believes in her man. She knows that he doesn't need her to help get victories. Uh, one of my favorite parts of this match was that backflip Tim did onto both Joey and Vinnie Mac. It was absolutely and unbelievably gorgeous. May I add in there? Uh, Joey, I, I'm sorry, Big Joe. You might not like this, but I, th- I love when Joey takes people. I think he has a phenomenal kick. I, it, it's so beautiful. Uh, Tim Theory did get um, that Theory champ, which I love hearing. And um, he got Joey stuck in that post, and he got to, like, smack him, you know, a couple times while the crowd cheered on the count, the number of times he was hitting him, which I know definitely felt good for Theory, even though, damn, I'm I'm supposed to like championship material, but I, I can admit that can get pretty annoying. Anyways, the end of the match... Um, Ended with an incredible spear by Joey to get the victory. However, I must add in there because Big Joe will not let me forget. Vinny Mac did cause that ultimate distraction, which led to Joey getting that spear in. So, Big Joe, I got to ask you, because you were hoping um, Theory was going to win. Do you think if Vinny Mac was not at ringside, would Theory have won? Of course! Of course. Are you kidding me? Like everything you described here is every championship material match ever. They do the the whole stalling tactics at the beginning of the match, trying to do the psych out thing like it's uh, 1972 Memphis wrestling where, uh, you know, the good guy is going to chase the bad guy, blah, blah, blah. Then they get in the ring. And of course, the chicken shits have to start doing everything humanly possible uh, to, to to try and get an advantage here. And, you know, I'll take my hat off to the to both of these bozos, but, you know, th- whatever they do to pick up the wins, they, they're successful at it, whether, you know, it's within the rules or not. But, like, listening to you fawn over championship material for that uh, for that brief it's amount like of time. But, like, like, just, right now, just excuse me a second while I just... <laughs> So it's iffy right now. They keep giving me attitude, and I don't know why. I've showed them nothing but love and support, but I guess you are for a glorified groupie. Glorified groupie, only for primetime heat, baby. Only for primetime heat. Nauseating over Vinny and Joey. Well, at least no. at least champion, uh, or at least uh, primetime heat's taking the lead on the Sage Santiago love fest. So we have love that going fest. for us. Sage, you gotta learn to love Big Joe. Yeah, well, there's certain guys I, you know, I can't show the love for, and some guys I absolutely refuse. But we're gonna stick with you here, Sage, since you're doing such a wonderful job. Actually, both of you guys oh. are today. We have the Philadelphia Playboy, Mister Swivel Hips, Mister Mister Championship, now around his waist down at uh, WXW. Picked up a belt down in the Talent Exchange, and he's taking on Superstar V Marino on paper. Pretty cool matchup here for us here at BPW. Sage, take it away. Um, now, this might be a big surprise, but this was the match that I was actually most excited for to watch. I think the coolest thing about both Playboy and V Marino is that they are like the complete opposite of each other. I mean, Playboy is so loving. You can't help but love this man. He has hips that cannot lie. Um, he may be the walking probation, so I, I can't say he's, you know, completely clean or not, but... 
I mean, you, you can't help but love this guy. And then you have V Marino, who reminds me of one of those preppy schoolboys that, you know, you would run into at high school. Uh, you can't stand him. But it, it is what it is. He's clean, though. He's clean. We know he's definitely clean. Maybe not in the ring. Joe might disagree there. But he's 100%. Right. He's not a walking probation, unlike the Playboy. And, and these two guys are just incredibly talented. And they have so much experience. I know V Marino is 20 years of age. But man is incredibly talented. I believe he's the best in That blows me away. Uh, I, I mean, the guy, he looks like he's 46 years old out there. He he really does. He's like, look like he's going on like his third divorce. Like, he looks like he's just he, ready to give up on life. But he's 20. Funny. Yeah, 20. that's perfect. Like, he see, he seriously does. He He's like, he's one, he's one gold chain away from uh, being, being Uncle Vin. Or Uncle Uncle V Marino from from the from the pizzeria, and like he's twenty years old, um, you know. But I digress. Sorry, Sage. I just you know. No, it's okay. He's younger than me, Big Joe. It's crazy, absolutely crazy. Because his <laughs> mullet is at his mullet had to be born in at least nineteen ninety, so that makes his mullet at least thirty three. Hey, oh. He got graves and everything. You guys are terrible. <laughs> Anyways, the chaining of in the beginning of this match was beautiful i mean beautiful if you are somebody who is inspiring to go into wrestling i really say watch this match especially for the beginning because the chaining they do is absolutely incredible um there was a lot of the little swivel um that was that's big joe's favorite part about the playboy and you could see that v really hated the swivel i mean uh if you were there or if you've watched the match uh at one point v is on the ground because he was trying to take playboy over for one of those uh schoolboy pins uh schoolgirl pins whatever you like to call it and instead of going down playboy just swivels in his face which is ah! absolutely disrespectful <laughs> but, I know, but he does it um, i i love it so much however at one point v did get a jab into playboy's face which caused him to go down for some time and then v did this creepy little impersonation of the swivel which I feel like someone needs to tell him that we were out of school. He needs to keep that a little PG because the swivel was just disturbing to watch. And again, um, the 46 year old drunk uncle at, at like a graduation party or something, pulling off horrible dance moves. Anyway, sorry. I know. And then we had everyone's favorite part of a Playboy match when he gets all hauled up and he, he lets you punch him in the face and he just keeps shaking his head now. Yeah, he, he, he runs off the ropes, kicks you in the face, and then he does that um huge, huge ass leg drop onto your neck, which I imagine is crushing. Uh, one of my favorite parts of this match is when they were outside of the ring, and I think Playboy was going for like a body slam of some sort, but then V somehow, somehow got him into a pile driver. Now, mind you, Playboy's still outside of the ring. Playboy, yeah, Playboy's still outside the ring. V Marino is now inside of the ring. And somehow he manages to get him over that top rope into the plate to the pile driver. However, that was not enough to keep this man's hips from not wiggling. And Playboy hit the spine buster that gave him the one, two, three and got to dance one more time over V Marino's grave. And what a spine buster it was. That spine buster uh, just absolutely pulled me out of out of my seat because like it, it essentially was a surprise. And you know, you mentioned the, the move where he tries to do the uh, the sunset flip takedown and Playboy's able to block it and hit him with the swivel. You could just see how incensed V Marino was 
with that one. So, you know, props to the playboy, man. The guy's winning titles in the wrestling business. He's stealing women's hearts. Shout out to the Philadelphia playboy. He actually took time out of his day to make a video and wish all the mothers out there for whatever motive he had for it to wish everybody a happy mother's day. But, uh, yeah, very cool matchup. Would love to see uh, those two go at it again. Match number 10. Now we're getting into the the, the meat and potatoes here of uh, the co-main event of this card. So we had Vinnie Mac versus Phil Insane, the Mad Butcher Phil Insane. Reggie Banner, you were tasked with breaking this match down. Go for it, my brother. Oh, man, Sage, Sage you're going to like this one. But, Joe, I <laughs> guarantee you'll like this. So when this match first started, I don't know if you noticed, Vinny just automatically goes for a shoulder tackle on Phil Insane. All he does is just piss Phil off. Phil's yelling, hit me, hit me, hit me. Vinny follows up with a clothesline that has absolutely, I don't know, negative zero effect on Phil. But Vinny being the cocky prick that he is, he decides to try one more time. Only this time just for Phil to plow, you know, Vinny over. Because what, Vinny's, I don't know, uh, two times smaller than Phil Insane. And the fans are going crazy. They're 100% behind Phil right now. Phil starts laying in Vinny with some big splashes. He's trying to hit Vinny um, with a backdrop. But Vinny, he's actually pretty quick. And he actually has a lot of experience over on Phil Insane. So he's either, you know, the side out of that using the speed. And Vinny tried to take Phil down with some super kicks. And yet again, these kicks have zero effect on Phil Insane. Like, what do you have to do to take Phil down? But, you know... You got to give me Vinny some credit. He starts kicking out the legs. And that's just, a, in my opinion, that's just a brilliant thing to do when you're fighting a giant. You know, you chop him down like a tree. And that's what Vinny was doing on him. Vinny lands his beautiful super, super kick to Phil's jaw and follows up with splashing the top ropes, only for Phil to power out of his kick. And even, like, the way he kicked him out, like, the way he kicked out, he just threw him in the air like he was a toothpick. And Logan, again, poor Logan, Logan jumps, gets gets kind of shooken. I was like, "Come on, man, you gotta, you gotta stay on them, stay in there, Logan." But um, yeah, I digress. Vinny stays on Phil, just just hitting him right. Uh, he hit him with a pretty pretty nice bulldog actually. And I was actually really surprised that at this point, Joey wasn't interfering in the match. So Vinny was kind of holding his own against him. Um, Phil tries to mount a comeback onto Vinny, but. Vinny hit him with this crazy look at um insecurity. I'm I me personally, I was used to seeing Phil like on this side of a fight. Like, I mean, whenever I think of Phil, I'm thinking he's going to destroy someone, he's going to just like just crush him, kill him. That really wasn't the case in this match, though. But you know, it was, it was still a good match. Um, Vinny hits a big splash and just lays in with chops and punches and a beautiful, beautiful clothesline from hell. And much to Sage disappointment. Joey was smiling at this. Do you remember this, Sage? Yeah, I saw that. I was like, what the heck is wrong with you, Joey? That's your guy in there. Wanted to see him get hit, you know? That was disrespectful. Poor Vinny. But yet, you know, here come your boys with their bullshit. Of course, Joey tries to come down and distract the referee. And, you know, it paid off because we actually got to see Vinny hit Joey. I oh, loved yeah. it. Joe, did you love that? You know it. He hit his head. He hit his girl. He hit it. He <laughs> hits his girl. <laughs> but yeah, um, they go. Joey tries to, like, you know, he cheats. He, Benny is down, and Phil is like, pinning him, like, you know, one foot over him. And Joey, it looks like he pushed in the ropes, you know, got the rope break. And then here come your boy, Sage, typical. 
this match ended in the DQ, and these two just try to beat down Phil Insane. However, you can't beat a man who loves violence. Phil gets back and fights these guys to the back, and that that's how it ended. Yeah, I was uh, more than happy here to see the outcome of this one. Um, although it was a uh, championship material disqualification that ended up yielding Phil Insane the uh, the victory. Although if it was to continue on where the the interference wouldn't have caught up, I'm pretty confident Phil would have been able to pick up the victory. Vinnie Mac tried to mount some offense, but wasn't having much success there against the monster Phil Insane. And now, without fr- Sage, you keep landing in these spots here on this podcast to break down our main events. And, uh, you know, I couldn't I couldn't not give you this assignment since we have your guys, Primetime Heat, Theo Bando and Trey Heat taking on Lance on and off junior, the Samoan storm here in tag action. So without further ado, Sage Santiago, break down this main event. Oh, we really got to talk about this match now, Big Joe. Oh, it was not a very good night for me, for me and my boys, Uh, your boys. My boys. I mean, Code got the victory for us tonight. I mean, that that was it. Anyways, the whole match was basically dominated by the Samoan dynasty. We had that one part. I don't know if you guys remember. Probably, just so you could rub this in my face. When they throw, when Lance Anawati threw Dio into the corners and then went to the crowd, made the crowd really quiet, and then chopped the living daylights out of him. I mean, I, I could hear that from the commentary table. I think anyone that was not in the gym could hear that probably from outside the building which was not fun because Dio got chopped about four times by two different Samoans thank 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 god that that was beautiful (laughs) and then we had that wishbone that both Afa and Lance did to Dio and that one looked pretty devastating I will say I would never want a wishbone done to me by two angry Samoans that was not fun and I think something very important to point out is that although they had the numbers game it was three because they had code out ringside. Even when code grabbed Lance's leg at one point, that still wasn't enough to keep the Samoan dynasty from chugging along. Um, however, however, once Trey, you know, he was not tagged in. Once he grabbed Lance, it was it was over. I mean, then it was smooth sailing for my boys. We, we started doing pretty good, Big Joe. And I don't think you can call that cheating, because when you're in a tag match, Big Show, you got to do whatever it takes to win. I mean... You got to agree with that part. I need your input on that part. There's still rules in a tag team match. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're absolutely losing your mind over here saying, oh, it's a tag match. So anything goes. They have you completely brainwashed on the rules of professional wrestling, Sage. But hey, uh, hey, whatever. You're entitled to your opinion. I wouldn't say it's brainwashed. Um, Then there was this great tag team work by Primetime Heat. I mean, that really showed through with how they were keeping Lance down. Um, at one point, Code did knock Alpha off of the ring apron. Um, however, Alpha's like built different and he just got back up. I was like, okay, this is great. And then we had that um, that great moment. Well, not a great moment for me. Great moment for Big Joe where they um, both shoved Dio and Trey into the corner. Alpha ran his butt into their face. I'm not really sure what I could call that besides a Samoan butt in the face. And that is Lance called... Said, that is called a Samoan hip attack. Samoan Made hip famous attack? by Rakishi. Oh, look at me learning all my Samoan words and moves today. Well, then we had that. We got that wonderful um, that somersault. I call it the flying Samoan somersault that Lance does. I have names for everything, Big Joe. Um, 
Just add Samoan on the beginning of it, and you know you can have a whole move set. The Samoan Snow punch, too. the Samoan chop, Samoan, uh, you know, whatever. But sounds like anyway. a character in a Marvel in a Marvel movie. I digress. Anyways, then we had um, Lance kicking code off of the apron. Um, because of that, Lance did get hit with a 3D by both Dio and Trey. However, that wasn't enough because then Dio got thrown over the top rope. Um, a Samoan kicked to the face to Trey. And then a Samoan drop by off of Trey. And then a Samoan splash to Trey from, from Lance. And they got the one, two... Three. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You are a little hesitant there to say that, but Lance Ottawaii and Afa picking up the victory for the table, the Samoan dynasty. Yeah. You know, I love my coach. You know, I love my coach, Big Joe. Yeah. Do you know? I do, though, but it, it it's prime time heat, baby. You gotta stick to your group. Yeah, you know? Well, they 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 lost. So, anyways, that is. Big Joe, it. I got a question. Okay. I got a question though for you. Real quick. Shoot, shoot. So, what? since you're a big, since you are a big mark for both Playboy and Alpha, what would you do if they had a match? Ooh, man. Um, as far as what what do I what what do you mean? Like who my pick is, or who would I cheer for? Um, who would you who would you pick? Who would I you mean, want to see win? Who do you want to see win? Not versus who would win. Who do you want to see? Well, I'll put it this way. That win would be monumental for the Playboy. And that could take his career to uh, parts unknown as far as the the heights that he could reach if he was able to pull off an upset like that going against Offa. But um, I could never in my right mind bet against Alpha Jr. in a wrestling match, especially a one-on-one wrestling match. The experience, the strength, the the speed. Uh it's just a it's the perfect Samoan storm of uh of a bad day at the office for whoever's standing across the ring from him. But you know, the Playboy is entertaining. Uh he's he's definitely improving every time he steps in the squared circle. And uh, you could tell, you know, he's picking up victories. And uh, he's on he's on sort of a hot streak right now. And, you know, we say this all the time in, in the wrestling business that, you know, any given day, anybody can come out with the victory. It only take you only have to be better for three seconds uh, in any given match. So, yeah, I, I kind of mm-hmm. gave you an answer without giving you a direct answer. So you want my answer, Sage? Whoever pays my bills. Oh, oh, really? Really? I got to figure out your two top that you mark out for, Mr. Reggie. And then you guys will understand. Then you guys will understand. I'll tell you. It's Ox Adams. And, and Sage Santiago. It, you know what? No. It doesn't even matter the second one is because it's not you. It's actually Big Joe. Oh, oh dear. My word. All right. We're done here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode number 15 of the Battlefield Pro Wrestling Podcast. You just got all the action broken down from this past Sunday's future show from the Pleasant Valley Middle School. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, next week we have the go-home show, the full preview of Cream of the Crop, our pay-per-view, live on the Premier Streaming Network. If you haven't already, people, get out there. Download the app. Sign up. $9.99 a month, and you get all the wrestling action you could ever imagine. Come on. Get out there. Enjoy the matches. Anyway, Big Joe, 
for Sage Santiago and Reggie Banner. We are out. I feel it in my soul. I feel it in this world. I gotta take control. I feel it in my mind. I feel it in my grind. I feel BBW. Yeah, it's my time. I'm home. I've been waiting for days to think about my time in the maze. I'm coming out truly on grace. Everything that I did to get paid, I